Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Outdoor Minds podcast. I am your host, Callan Pilmanis, and today my guest is Tracy Evans, Ride Director of AIDS Lifecycle. AIDS Lifecycle is a nonprofit organization that puts on an annual bike ride that goes from San Francisco to Los Angeles, and it raises tens of millions of dollars for the treatment and prevention of HIV and AIDS. Full disclosure, Tracy is actually family. We are related through marriage with a cousin on my dad's side. Um, I love her tremendously. And when the podcast started, she reached out to me and said, hey, I think AIDS Lifecycle and the history and the, the current state of it would be a great topic for the podcast. I agreed. We had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy her as much as I always do. And with that, I give you Tracy Evans. So Tracy Evans, welcome to the Outdoor Minds podcast. Um, how are things in the world of AIDS life cycle right now? Well, that's a great question, Callan. Um, we, we are at the time of the year that we have a dip. Um, AIDS life cycle is always the first week of June. So, um, we are in the, in the, the slow quiet time, which is good because we have a lot of things to do. Um, you know, AIDS life cycle is a year round experience. And um, normally we would be planning some in-person events that happen in the summer. Those are obviously not happening right now. Um, so we're really working on how to get the community engaged and um, up and running for this next year. But uh, it might be interesting to talk about what we've just gotten through because the last four months uh, certainly have been very different for all of us. And I think, um, we, we were one of the very first mass participation events in the country to cancel. We canceled uh, March, 5th, March 17th, and, um, but then we kept going. So after we canceled, we were able to raise $2.4 million more, which was nowhere near what we had planned, but wow, we were pretty excited about that. And we were able to figure out how to do a seven-day 30 or so hours of broadcasting broadcast for our community the week of what would have been the ride. So, um, you know, the, the community is moving forward and um, it, what's great about AIDS Lifecycle and the folks who are involved in it is people have a lot of heart and they love bicycles and they love being outdoors. So they can be outside right now. They can be on bicycles and we can stay connected and share the heart through, oh, all the social media. <laughs> That's great. I want to get into all of that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been trying to do with these interviews is just start off by giving the audience a, a backgrounder to, to the guests, right? So the, yeah. the, theme, the theme of the show is talking to professionals in all corners of the greater outdoor industry. Um, and I, as someone who just loves to get an idea of how people ended up in the positions that 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 they are. Um, if you could just give me and, and the audience a background of uh, you know what your background is in in terms of growing up in the outdoors or in this case you know cycling mm -hmm. and uh, your career progression and how did you end up um, uh, in the position that you are with with AIDS Life Cycle? Sure. Um, well, don't be jealous. I grew up in Lancaster, California. 
And um, like you, I believe, a child of the aerospace industry. And um, I grew up camping every weekend in the desert. I grew up hating camping every weekend in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> I thought there was no fate worse than that in the entire world. And it was funny how where I ended up and how my career trajectory landed me squarely in um, a, a lot of spaces of camping outside and being outside, which I love now. So I do thank my parents for that. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, you, you know where Ridgecrest is? I do. I had, there is a very impressive public shooting range in Rid, Ridgecrest that I have that I have been to that some of the most wild uh yeah shooting yeah. shooting experiences I, I I've ever had is in this public range in Ridgecrest well some of the most interesting shooting experiences I have had have been near Ridgecrest so if you go from Lancaster and you take highway 14 and you go kind of around the south end around the Greenhorn range and you're coming up the east side um there's a place called Red Rock Canyon. It's a state park. And in that area, it, there's a lot of four-wheeling and off-roading. And my family did a lot of that. I learned how to drive in an international scout. Um, and uh, we did a lot of shooting out in the desert. <laughs> Just so, it's such a funny thing. But camping in the desert, that was then. Um, and there's there's an opal mine, or there was an opal mine out there, and we used to go to the opal mine every weekend, and mine opals. So anyway, like um, in, like 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 in caves. No, okay. it's uh, ground. Like you dig you dig a hole and okay, look for these rocks, and then you pick the rocks apart, and it's it's a thing. Um, so when I was 18, I left the desert and said, I never have to go back to the desert again. Um, <laughs> and uh, I went to San Diego for school and uh, ended up really in a business track. And at one point in my life, um, got my MBA. And then in 1997, I was working for DHL Worldwide Express um, in marketing in San Francisco. And I decided to do a marathon and I joined something called Team in Training, which is with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And I got really into Team in Training. So how I, my trajectory to get here today really starts there. Um, DHL in, boy, 2002 announced they were moving the U.S. headquarters to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And, um, you know, Thanks. No, I'm a California girl. So um, if I stayed until the end, I had a really great opportunity for a great severance package. And so I stayed until the end and I was, I became a coach, by the way, at Teen and Training. I became a volunteer coach and I would go to a lot of marathons and help folks. And I was at the Honolulu Marathon in 2002. And someone said to me, what are you going to do when your job ends? I said, I don't know, but if I could do anything in the world, um, I would go work for Team and Training. And little did I know that in San Francisco, um, the team and training director had resigned the week before. And so next thing you know, I'm interviewing and I wanted to take the winter off because I wanted to see how many days I could ski. I'm big, an avid cross-country skier. And I wanted to see how many days I could spend uh, sliding across some snow. 
and I had a cross-country ski marathon that I was training for. And next thing you know, got a job offer and I didn't have to start until June. And that really changed my trajectory of my entire career, which had always been in marketing and um, marketing and the space between marketing and sales, really sales operations and sales process. So there you go. So I started with team and training. And next thing you know, I'm really at this place of outdoor, all things outdoor, bringing people to do things that they never thought they could do, raising all kinds of money they never thought they could raise, and really the sweet spot of where the magic happens and it all comes together. So it, you know, it helps the organization because they're raising so much money. Team and Training's biggest year was 2008. We raised $125 million that year um, nationally for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And um, it's also magic for individuals, you know, when you're able to go out and whether it's a ski marathon or a century ride or with AIDS life cycle, 545 miles in seven days on a bike, there's a magic and a, a camaraderie and a thing that happens. Um, the backdrop of it happens to be outside and outdoor recreation, but um, it's pretty impressive. So I thought I would be there for two years. Well, I was there for two years and then I joined the national staff. So I was with team and training for 13 years and um, I moved from there to another organization that I was with for a while. And now I've been here. This is my fourth year with the ride. And it's so, it, it, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a real job. I, my favorite part of what I do is when people say, oh, is that a full-time job? I'm like, well, and I have a staff of a lot of people. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we raised, a, well, we would have raised this year $17 million to support San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the Los Angeles LGBT Center. So um, that's, a, that's a little bit about how I got here. $17 million is really impressive. I was, uh, uh, earlier today, I was watching footage on the AIDS Lifecycle website and um, looking at footage of what I believe was the, the, the first race of, I think it was just shy of 500 participants and it raised, I wanted to say just under under $2 million it, it, its first year, if, 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 if I remember awesome. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but to think, um, how it's grown to $17 million this year is, is really phenomenal. Yeah. So for those of us um, who are out of touch uh, and, and, and not well researched on the current state of the, of the AIDS epidemic uh, in the United States, I mean, the, the purpose of AIDS life cycle is to raise money for, for two, two facilities, one, one in San Francisco and one in Los Angeles that that helps um, the AIDS community. But for for those, let's say I've, I've I've been under a rock since since you know the late 1980s. And and you know what would you want someone to know about the current state of AIDS and HIV? Um, there's a lot of things. Um, you know. HIV for, for some of us of a certain age, that was the first pandemic that we lived through and are still living through. Um, and we've come a long way, but 1.2 people in the US are living with HIV and AIDS and 38 million people worldwide are living with HIV and AIDS currently. Um, and we've come a long way, but we have a really long way to go. The long tail of getting to where we're going is hard. And it's all, it's, you know, like many things today, it's rooted in 
the most marginalized communities are the ones that are at the most risk for HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, folks of folks of color who have many their cultural and stigma issues that exist. So people don't get tested, and if you don't get tested, you don't know where you stand. And you know, we have in the U.S. we have access to a lot of great treatment, but if you don't know your status, you can't either prevent nor get treatment. And there's, there are great um, opportunities on both ends of that spectrum. Um, we have, you know, uh, intravenous drug users continue to be a population that there's a lot of stigma and there's a lot of stress and there, there, there are a lot of factors there as well. And um, so we do a lot of outreach. We, the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, LA LGBT Center do a ton of support um, in, in a lot of areas. Um, stable housing, homeless folks have, uh, are at risk. So there's a lot of work that we do that um, gets to some of these really basic, basic issues. Um, San Francisco AIDS Foundation last year uh, redid, or redid, I don't know if redid is the right word, but um, set down the path of establishing the five-year strategic plan. And the entire plan, so we're a year and a half into it now, but the entire plan is rooted in racial justice and social justice. And it gets to the issues of things like, if you, if you are a um, man who has sex with men and you are living on the streets and you take PrEP, so PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. Um, and it is a way, it is a, a pill that people can take each day to prevent um, getting, contracting HIV. Mm -hmm. But what if you don't have a place to keep your medicine? What if you don't have a place to um, keep your medicine and stay on track with uh, the medicine going? So, you know, the, these are the types of issues that are being worked on. And that's why um, we've come so far from where we were in 1994 when the ride started as California AIDS ride. But the work that we have, it's starting to get like slower and slower in how, um, I don't even know what the words are I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm gonna use an example. San Francisco um, has had, the city of San Francisco has a goal of getting to zero and getting to zero new transmissions and new death or and deaths from HIV and AIDS. And last year was the first year um, in the epidemiology report that we got under 200 transmissions in the city of San Francisco. At the height of the epidemic, it was like 8,000. Mm -hmm. So, so the curve is in the, in the term of the day, flattening the curve. I mean, we, we've brought the transmission down so far, but getting those, those next 200, that's really, really hard work. So I hope I answered your question. You did. You did. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so 545 miles mm -hmm. in seven days. So, yeah. uh, is, is, as you and I have um, exchanged niceties over over social media this past years, I'm I'm a fledgling cyclist myself. 545 miles sounds thrilling and nightmarish at at, at, at the same time. So, you what? know, I was going to ask you how many miles are you riding in a day now. I'm doing well. 
when, when I am riding, I'm doing between 25 and 40 miles a day. I've given myself a nasty case of cyclist palsy in my left oh. hand. Oh. So I'm, I've taken two weeks off. Uh, strength is starting to come back. Um, yeah. but, but do you have uh, the feeling back? <laughs> That's the... I, no, it's, it's, it's a weakness thing. Yeah. More oh, than wow. Anything. That's interesting. But, but we're not here for me. We're here for I know. You. I know. Well, so, but my point would be this. So you're riding 25 to 40 miles a day when you're riding. And how many days in a row do you ride? Uh, I've tried to ride every other day. Every other day. Okay. So if you can ride three days in a row, 40 miles a day, you can ride 545 miles, seven days. It's all about building up. You don't go from zero to that although some people do, <laughs> um, but you, you know, you build up and you spend time in the saddle. And um, generally speaking, we kick off in October to start for June, start training for June. And then the training ride, the big training ride series across, um, well, across California and, and a bunch of states really start right around um, January 1st. And so a, you, have, you have built a great base for yourself, my friend. <laughs> I, I know I, I got, I think I got over my skis. It was, it was probably last year and you were, you were talking about the upcoming ride and I was a new uh, bike commuter to work and I was like, Oh, I think I would do it. And then I looked at the mileage. <laughs> do you want to know what's the most amazing thing? We have people come on the ride who have never ridden a bike before in their life and they learn how to ride a bike to do AIDS life cycle in the same year. That is impressive for sure. <laughs> it, every year there are a number of folks like that and it's pretty impressive. I'm like, wow, that, that's, that's cool. So talk about that. Like talk about the, the, the spectrum of, of writers that you're, you're dealing with. Yeah, we have, you know, we have people who are super serious cyclists riding $10,000 custom, whatever bikes. We have folks who, this is what hurts my soul and my ass is when I see people on the ride riding full suspension mountain bikes. I'm like, you know, that's not what that's made for, right? But, we, and because somebody gave it to them and it was a hand-me-down and, and it might even have a rusty chain, who knows? But people, there is everything in between um, people who are super hardcore and people who are like just gutting it through because um, the mission is super important to them and they're here to do a thing. And they told the people who supported them with donations that they were doing a thing. So they're doing a thing. So we have every, every kind of person in the world. And it's, I have been so lucky in my life to um, spend the better part of 20 years or actually more than 20 years now at finish lines, cheering people in who, who literally never thought that they could ride 10 miles, let alone 500 miles, let alone um, do epic hikes at the Grand Canyon. I want to talk about that too, because one of the things I have done in my life was a team in training as part of starting um, a hike program and spent a lot of time at national parks um, yeah. with groups of folks. Um, and, you know, just seeing people experience the outdoors, experience activity, experience recreation in a way that they had never thought they would. It's really cool. I have the best shop in the whole world. 
I'm glad you feel that way. You probably wouldn't be effective in your job if you didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely, there are moments that's, that are labor, that it is a labor of love, but um, yeah, it's, I love seeing people experience um, their own, their own breakthroughs. And, you know, with the backdrop of the, the ride, we go from San Francisco to Los Angeles um, by way of Santa Cruz and then King City, Paso Robles, Santa Maria, Lompoc, Ventura, around Malibu and into West Hollywood. And um, it, it's so beautiful. And just, you know, we have people come from all over the world who do the ride. We've had um, this last year, we would have had 14 countries represented, all 50 states represented. And uh, yeah, it's fun. That's awesome. I mean, I, I've, I've done the drive yeah. down the coast <laughs> between San Francisco and, and California countless yeah. times. Um, yeah. But uh, to do it on a bike would be amazing. So, so if, if, let's see, what's average mileage for, for, I don't know, like 82 or something. We'll call it 82. That's good. Yeah, sure. So, but there's an entire infrastructure of, of volunteers who are also non-riding volunteers who are also supporting the. Yeah. Yeah. Our roadie community. So, you know, the, the people who come and ride and I love you all, but the real heroes are the roadies. So we have like 650 people who volunteer. They take a week off of work to come and do things like serve food all day long, um, take people's luggage to the next stop, clean up camps as we break them down. Um, and if you, I know you have uh, some music in your background. Um, if you think of it this way, we build a festival every day for eight days in a row for 3000 people total. And we move them from festival to festival. And the roadie crew is 650 of those folks. They're volunteers. Many of them also fundraise. And um, I'm like, they're, they, they will often say, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing anything. I don't really have a good story to tell. I'm like, yes, you do. You just took a work, week off of work so you could go work really hard in support of other people's efforts. It's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, we have, you know, we feed people uh, three meals a day, plus snacks, plus breaks. Um, we have an amazing part of our roadie community are the rest stops along the way. And those rest stops are really great and fun. And we have teams. So rest stop one every day of the ride is the same team. And so they'll have a different theme every day and they bring things to life. One of my favorites was, ironically, um, I don't know if you followed the story a few weeks ago, but there was a shark attack at Manresa Beach in Santa Cruz. And um, a couple of years ago, that's where we have on day two, our first rest stop. Uh, the rest stop theme was Sharknado. So I'm like, oh, right there at Manresa Beach for shark attack. Um, anyway, so the, the roadies want to keep the cyclists buoyed and having fun and energized. So it's a pretty cool group of folks who come and do that. Well, now that the Grateful Dead, as, as we know it, um, isn't touring and I, I think fish is defunct now too. So I'm sure there's probably some spillover when it comes to moving an entire festival from campsite to campsite. Yeah. Week. <laughs> We're just the people who can do that. <laughs> cool. So, you know, 
I was thinking about you when the whole COVID um, thing hit and just the worst possible timing. Yeah. Um, I'm thrilled to, to hear about uh, the, the fundraising accomplishment that, that you and your team were able to, to pull off this year. But um, can you describe, you know, in a, in a COVID environment, how not only did, was the event itself um, canceled this year, but um, what, what kind of challenges has that presented? So overall, um, we, as I said, we were expecting to raise $17 million this year and total we raised 8.4 million. Um, so we are a major um, source of revenue for both of the agencies that we support. And the good news is that both of the agencies were in really good financial place, um, but it costs, right? So we, the timing of when we canceled enabled us to cut out a lot of expenses, um, which was good news. So in the, at the end of the day, our net revenue was still several million dollars short of where it needed to be. Um, so for me, you know, I feel a lot of ownership about um, what we bring in to support the two agencies. Um, the agencies are, are faring okay and um, we'll continue to uh, do as many things as possible. The good news is they both have really diversified revenue streams. So um, while it is a big hit for the AIDS life cycle, revenue to not be there in whole. Um, it's, it's, it's okay, but it's still a really tough time. We are um, definitely looking towards now, um, what does this year look like? And the, um, you know, there's, so there's COVID and there's, we can't do a thing in person. There's the economic impact of COVID, which has a lot of impact for many folks right now. And so fundraising, Fundraising is interesting and challenging. I was with Team and Training 2008, 2009, 2010, and we saw the same, we're seeing the same things this year that we saw then, which was definitely less people fundraising, less people donating, Mm -hmm. but those that are, are donating more. So it's really interesting to see um, how the folks who are in an okay place are feeling like they're, they're stepping up to do more. Um, we just, the timing for us was really difficult. Our, um, fundraising starts generally in the, in mid later summer and kind of slowly ramps up. And then April and May, it's like the hockey stick mm-hmm. of, you know, we had $10 million ahead of us to raise still, um, when we had to cancel. So, um, yeah, it was, it's definitely a, a hit to the agencies because what that really means is programs and services are at risk. And um, the, both of these agencies, the, the funding is this really complex web of there's government funding, there's grant funding, there's institutional giving, there's individual giving, which we're a part of, and all of those things are at risk. You know, the, the city of San Francisco, um, early on in the pandemic, ju- the city of San Francisco, which is a small city, I'm going to say this was probably in about April, was already forecasting for the next fiscal year at least a $1 billion shortfall in revenue for the city. So now the city has to evaluate, and it's the city and the county of San Francisco, right? It's a small 49 square mile place, but the funding that happens out of that to all of the nonprofits that are 
part of the infrastructure of supporting the social services, like you can see it gets, it's really complicated. So um, when, when we're not able to do what we normally do, it puts a lot of stress on the whole system. Wow, wow. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so uh, if, if I'm doing my job well, then this podcast is reaching uh, a larger um, community in the general outdoor industry. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could send out a, a rallying cry to, to, to people who are into the outdoors and in, into cycling, um, what would you want them to know or, or what would you ask them to, to consider? Wow. Um, my pitch, my elevator pitch, uh, except I'll call it my podcast pitch. Um, I think that we, we were able to do something pretty magnificent, I think, the week of what would have been the event. Um, and that was at AIDS Lifecycle, we have this committed group of people. So on the ride, normally we would have about 20, we were expecting about 2,400 cyclists this year. We had 1,500 people who kept fundraising um, and we had a viewership. And you know, these numbers are really hard. This new media, darn kids today. Um, <laughs> so it's really like, what does this really mean? You know, we had 50,000 views for our broadcast, but what does that really mean and how many people were engaged and involved, but a lot of people were involved. Um, that if you are, um, from, from a super selfish AIDS lifecycle perspective, if you're looking for a place to put some bets on um, reaching a community that cares, that's dedicated, and that loves our sponsors, let's talk about AIDS lifecycle for you. Um, we have, we have sponsors that have been with us for a long time. Cannondale is our bike sponsor. They've been with us for 15 years. And um, I, the, the recognition and understanding of that partnership for our community at large is it's really intense. You know, it's like 94% of our, I believe it was 94% of our community can name all of our sponsors. Something really crazy, um, has huge brand recognition. Um, but also in general, so that's my selfish AIDS life cycle pitch. Come, come talk to me. Let, let's do something. <laughs> um, but on the whole, there is so many opportunities for the outdoor um, recreation folks to be involved. So I talked a little bit about team and training and the team and training hike program. Mm-hmm. You know, we we did this thing when people weren't really doing it and now there's more of this happening, but we were bringing, you know, 200 folks a weekend to the Grand Canyon uh, for a hiking event and they were raising millions of dollars. Um, and there was, one, there was one year that I went to the Grand Canyon five weekends in a row. And on the way back to Phoenix on the last weekend, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to get home. So tired of being at the Canyon. And I'm like, check yourself, lady. There is no greater place to be. That was the moment I thanked my parents for desert camping, by the way. Um, (laughs) uh, But there there are so many opportunities and so many ways to help create magic for any um, charity and any cause that your organization believes in and cares about. And whether it is cash sponsorship 
or it could even be gear. It could be um, in-kind partnerships. And it could be also just connecting people and organizations through your pipeline. Um, all of this helps create magic and makes uh, the ground, the work on the ground that happens for whether it's social services, health services, pick, pick something, um, there are ways to be involved. So I think that's what I have to say to all the outdoor recreation folks out there. To pile on your point, um, you know, my, my previous two guests uh, were on this podcast with Kate Williams, uh, the CEO of 1% for the Planet, and got to talk with her about um, just the work that, that their organization does connecting brands with, with uh, environmentally focused um, uh, nonprofits. And then with Randy Newberg, um, hunting personality, who is just a wealth of knowledge on the history of conservation and conservation organizations within the United States. And, you know, the resounding theme in both of those conversations is increasingly, particularly in, in the outdoor community, people want to know that the companies uh, from which they're buying gear and equipment and clothing and, and, and all other types of, of goods are doing more than just being a manufacturer for the outdoor um, industry, you know, and, and is, and is doing good with their resources aside from just supplying goods and services. And, you know, more and more people want to be, you know, making purchases with brands and entities that, that stand for a greater cause, you know, and have some kind of moral backbone. So, yeah, uh, it's, hopefully. it's really true. And I think there is a fit for every company that wants to do something. There's the right fit for you out there with a, a great event and whether it's AIDS life cycle or it is fill in the blank. Um, those, those opportunities exist. And I think they are maximized when the, comp the, the sponsor, if you will, a partner becomes part of the fabric of the event. For us, one of the great things, and I wish I had this picture right ah, on my fingertips, um, Toyota has been our, uh, our vehicle sponsor for many years. And, um, you know, they have a campaign, um, you've probably heard it, Love Drives. And they're, at the core of Love Drives is their support of the LGBT movement and world. Um, they're very involved with pride organizations. Um, they, they do a whole lot of work um, to help everybody live their best and authentic lives. And a cup, they've, they've supported us with vehicles for many years, as I said. Well, we have, this is such a silly story. Um, we have a safety mascot, which is a giant safety cone called Coney. And Coney lives in my house now, by the way, um, <laughs> since, since we've been shut down um, and for the broadcast. Um, anyway, one, a couple of years ago, they sent us this vehicle list and, and it's um, the Toyota, Toyota Financial and it's the part of the organization that does lease returns, handles lease returns. So they provide lease return vehicles that we use to drive. Like I, I'm always an SUV one for the week of the ride. And we have like 70 Toyotas that accompany the ride and they're all placarded and official. And they had on their, um, oh, crud, 
what's their teeny tiny Yaris? There was a Yaris, like we're looking at the list, my production director and I, and we're like, a Yaris, what will we possibly do with a Yaris? Well, we started laughing. We were like, we could make it the Coney mobile. We could have Coney like smashed in there. Cause this is like a giant, this is like a Disney character costume, right? Like a have, cone? Yeah. A, yes, it is a giant, I'm going to send you a picture. So giant, giant cones. We're like, it could be the Coney mobile. We could have Coney smashed in there. Well, we started laughing so hard and it's, you know, eight o'clock at night. We're in the office. We couldn't stop. So we sent to our guy over at Toyota. We're like, oh my God, we have to make the Toyota, the Yaris, the Coney mobile. Next thing you know, they do art. They have the Yaris wrapped for the event with Coney and safety, safety orange. It has become a thing. And what's so amazing about this is they've, they've become part of the fabric of the event. It's not just they're throwing money our way or putting cars out on the road. But it was like the spirit of the event is fun and sassy and crazy. And here we go. How can we get Toyota and safety together? A Yaris wrapped in Coney. Hilarious. So anyway, so for any organization out there that's like, oh, well, whatever. The magic is in becoming part of the fabric of the event. And that is what people remember and what people like will, will gather around for your brand. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think that is a good place for us to wrap up. Tracy, I, I really appreciate you coming on. And more than that, I appreciate your fighter's spirit. Um, obviously, obviously a, a critically important um, organization, AIDS Lifecycle, and the work that it does. Um, being in the nonprofit space is not easy. And being in a nonprofit space uh, during an economic crisis and a healthcare crisis that we're dealing with in COVID isn't, isn't easy, but I appreciate your positivity. It's infectious. Oh, well, thank you. And I appreciate you, Callan, um, more than you will ever know. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me on and um, thanks for what you're doing. I think there's so many interesting people. I, I'm definitely on the bottom of this list, but so many interesting people that you um, are talking to and will be talking to in your podcast. So thanks for including me. We'll send people my way. I, okay. I, I need more. I need more. Okay. Okay. I, I know, I know some, some fun people. So I, I know I, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and let's all, you know what? It's a hard time. It's a scary time. It's a tense time. Um, all of us might have like a little bit of anxiety sitting like right here on our chest, wondering what that little thing is. You know what? Get out, go ride a bike, go ride a bike for, for 10 miles, five miles around the block. Um, it'll definitely make you feel better. That's what we believe in this house. We believe in this house that bike therapy is the best therapy. So, <laughs> Amen. I, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. I've, I've yeah. been benefiting from it. I put on uh, Apple Music's uh, uh, punk rock classics station. I've got my X shirt on today. And uh, I go X, right I mean, farm. that's taking me back one minute. Yeah. It, thing, you know, you're going to have missing persons on there. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. Hey, I appreciate your time. It was great talking to you and I'm sure we will talk soon. Thanks, Colin. And that, my friends, was Tracy Evans, Ride Director of AIDS Lifecycle. Please do visit them online, learn more, and get involved at AIDSLifecycle.org. 
You could also find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under AIDS Lifecycle. Our theme music today is the song 500 Miles, performed by The Capacitors and composed by Mr. Barry Manning. To learn more about the podcast and your host, Callan Pilmanis, please visit us at OutdoorMindsPodcast.com. Thanks a lot. God bless and see you next time.